You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Slavery. Hello, my radio friends. Welcome to the program today. I'm glad you've tuned in, and it's my hope that this program might bring you closer to our marvellous God. On more than one occasion, I've heard someone utter, I worked like a slave all day. Slaves, especially in the southern United States, had to work hard in the cotton fields until slavery was abolished in 1865. It appears that some of my own distant relatives who migrated to America had slaves working for them. It's a good thing that slavery has been abolished. But has it? Here are some slavery statistics that might surprise you. Slavery did not end with abolition in the 19th century. Instead, it changed its forms and continues to harm people in every country in the world. Whether they are women forced into prostitution, men forced to work in agriculture or construction, children in sweatshops or girls forced to marry older men, their lives are controlled by their exploiters. They no longer have a free choice and they have to do as they're told. They are in slavery. There are estimated 40.3 million people in modern slavery around the world right now. 10 million of them are children. Nearly 25 million are uh, people in forced labour. Over 15 million people in forced marriage. And nearly 5 million people in forced sexual exploitation. Today, slavery is less about people literally owning other people, although that still exists but more about being exploited and completely controlled by someone else without being able to leave. Someone is in slavery if they are, firstly, forced to work through coercion or mental or physical threat. Secondly, if they are owned or controlled by an employer through mental or physical abuse or the threat of abuse. Thirdly, people are in slavery if they are dehumanised, that is, treated as a commodity, or bought and sold as property. And lastly, people are in slavery if they are physically constrained or have restrictions placed on their freedom of movement. Now, here are some forms of modern slavery. First of all, forced labour. Forced labour is where any work or services which people are forced to do against their will under the threat of some form of punishment. And then there's debt bondage or bonded labour. 
This is the world's most widespread form of slavery. When people borrow money they cannot repay and are required to work to pay off the debt and then losing control over the conditions of both their employment and the debt. And then we have um, this form of modern slavery and that's called human trafficking. And that involves transporting, recruiting or harbouring people for the purpose of exploitation and the methods used are violence, threats or coercion. And then we have descent-based slavery where people are born into slavery because their ancestors were captured and enslaved. They remain in slavery simply by descent. Another one is child slavery. Many people often confuse child slavery with child labour, but it is much worse. Whilst child labour is harmful for children and hinders their education and development, child slavery occurs when a child is exploited for someone else's gain. It can include child trafficking, child soldiers, child marriage and child domestic slavery. And then we have this form of slavery, which is forced and early marriage. When someone is married against their will and can't leave the marriage, most child marriages can be considered slavery. Well, with all that, one would ask the question, that couldn't be the situation in Australia, could it? But did you know that in 2018 the Australian Federal Parliament passed an act called the Modern Slavery Act, number 153 of the year 2018. Briefly, the act requires some entities to report on the risks of modern slavery in their operations and supply chains, and they have to provide actions to address those risks. Current estimates are that Australia, the lucky country, has about 15,000 slaves. Are you surprised? Well, I was when I discovered these statistics. But in fact, the issue is much deeper than that. Many people in Australian society and of most countries in the world are slaves to harmful habits including smoking, drinking, pornography, sex and using both illegal and prescription drugs. That sort of slavery is usually self-induced. People who get hooked on those harmful things and involved in other destroying habits have at some stage made choices to be involved with the controlling substances or habits. What seemed relatively harmless at the beginning grows to such an extent that the habits or substances end up controlling them. A slave 
is controlled by someone or something else. Now, here's a typical reaction that you may have said or heard. Somebody might say, Oh, I couldn't start the day without my coffee. If that's the case, that person is a slave to coffee. A man I know has for years lived on social welfare, so he's relatively poor. Yet he is hooked on smoking and smokes, wait for this, about 80 cigarettes a day. He's grossly overweight, he's unable to work, and will probably never get out of the poverty-slavery cycle he's currently in. But of course, he's just one of many. The prophet Jeremiah was given a message of reproof from God to give to the people of Israel who became involved in idol worship. And here is the message. It's from Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. And I'm reading from the clear word, a paraphrase version of the Bible. And this is what it says. Have you ever seen a nation change its national god? And these gods aren't even real. But you have exchanged the god who made you for lifeless idols. Be appalled at this, those of you who live in the heavens, and shudder with horror at what you see. My people have committed two very great sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own wells, wells that crack and cannot hold water. Is Israel a slave by birth? He's not. Then why does he enslave himself? Well, that was concerning the nation of Israel back at that time. But the biggest slave problem in the world is described in the Bible. It is sin. Sin is alluring. It draws people into its sticky web and tries to hold them there. The spider who constructs the sin web is Satan, and his only interest is to draw people away from God and to hide the knowledge of salvation. Satan wants to prevent people from knowing that there is a way out of the sin web and uses all sorts of devices, including sport, entertainment, the love of power, the love of money, and even things like interest in UFOs to keep people so occupied that they don't have the opportunity to find out that there is a good God who wants to save the lost. Who wants to be a slave of sin? Well, speaking for myself, I don't. After King Solomon had a dedication service for the newly built temple in Jerusalem, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and accept this temple as my own and as the place to offer sacrifices. 
Whenever I hold back the rain or let the locusts eat the harvest or let sickness come upon my people, I'll do that to discipline them. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways looking to me for help, I will hear from heaven and will forgive them their sins and heal their land. Now that's from the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 7, verses 12 to 14. Now, here's an unusual thing. The people enslaved themselves to worshipping idols. Those idols were made of stone, wood or metal. The people would make sacrifices to the idols and give gifts to appease those idol gods. You would think that was a fairly debasing thing for humans to do, to bow down and worship a carved rock or a piece of wood or a lump of metal. Those idols were totally inert and had no power to do anything. They couldn't move, couldn't talk, couldn't do anything. Yet here were people who could move, talk and so on, doing stuff to gain favours from those inert objects. How stupid can some human beings be? But the text I just read to you tells about God saying to the people that they should humble themselves. The question is how and why? I see it like this. God, our Creator, is powerful. He's alive and He can move and talk. He's at a much higher level of existence than we humans are. By saying that the people should humble themselves is that they needed to recognise God for who He is and to realise that He alone is able to do for the people what they were trying to get those inert statues to do. In reality, it doesn't seem very logical to humble oneself to a lump of wood or stone or metal, does it? The problem that existed with the people in Jeremiah's time still exists today. Many people commit themselves to worthless things that can do no good for them. Such things are akin to the idols of old, things like cars, houses, pleasure and entertainment. And in committing themselves to those things, people enslave themselves. Before I deal with the application of all this information about slavery, I want to share with you a true story about an incident of modern-day slavery. And straight after the break, I'm going to share this story with you. Spirit, I pray. 
Here's the story about a modern-day slave. It's about a girl called Shaima Hall, and it begins in a small city outside Alexandria, Egypt. Shaima grew up in a poor family. She says things were tough with ten brothers and sisters and barely enough to feed everyone. You know you're poor when you had a piece of bread to split between four kids, and that's all your mum could get for the night. Still, Shaima says, for the most part she was a happy kid. But then everything changed. Her mum took her to a huge mansion outside of Cairo. Her sister worked there as a maid for a rich family. But when Shaima and her mum arrived, the family confronted them about the sister. They said she had stolen money from them. How was Shaima's family going to pay off the debt? The rich family asked. Shaima says the family had an idea. All of a sudden they said, OK, instead of sending your daughter to jail, you will have to provide us with another kid she recalls. Shaima says they were talking about her. I didn't realise it, but I was the one who was staying and my mum left without me. She made her decision. It's not like I had any options. And that was it. She was gone. Shaima was now the property of that wealthy family and she was only eight years old. Each day when she got up, she cleaned and washed the dishes. I mean, I was so little that I had to use a stool to get to where the sink was to wash the dishes, she says. And Shaima said the worst part was the father. I remember at one time he took his belt off and he beat one of the girls with it. And as a kid, seeing that, I mean, that just terrified me. After two years, the family decided to leave Egypt and move to Irvine in Southern California. They said Shaima hadn't worked long enough to pay off her sister's debts, so they took her with them. Shaima became a child slave in America, in a big, beautiful suburban house. She worked from early in the morning to past midnight, and slept in a small room in the garage. She wasn't chained or locked up. The family kept her from escaping in other ways. They told me all those horrible things, she says. If you ever leave and get caught, the cops are going to get you because you are not supposed to be here. You're going to get beat up. You're going to never see your family again. She remained captive until one day in 2002. Immigration agents pounded on the door and took her away. Someone had made an anonymous tip. Shaima still doesn't know who it was, 
but she says it could have been a neighbour who noticed that she never went to school. Shaima's captives, captors rather, were later sentenced to several years in prison and forced to pay her restitution. She was adopted by a foster family and later became a US citizen. Shaima is now an adult and lives in Banning, a few hours outside Los Angeles. Now, this true story illustrates what I really want to share with you about slavery. In the case with Shaima, she was caught in a trap with no way out of it. Her slave masters treated her unfairly, not respecting her rights as a human being, They kept her for their own convenience and told her lies to keep her captive. Shaima, being young, did not have the ideas or resources to get herself out of the situation. As far as she was concerned, she was a slave for life. Her escape to freedom was only possible because of the intervention of someone else. Just like Shaima, all human beings have been caught in the sin web. As is explained by the Apostle Paul in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. On your own, it's impossible to escape death. It comes to everybody, as all have sinned. But there's more to that text I just read to you. It goes on to say, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is a difference between wages and a gift. Wages are payment for what you deserve. But a gift is something you don't deserve. It comes because of the goodwill of someone else. And in this case, who is that someone else? It is God who took the death punishment upon himself to provide freedom to sinners. Jesus, while speaking to a group of Jews one day, had this to say, and it's found in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, and from verse 31 to 36. He said, If you hold to my teaching... You're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, Ha! We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son, talking about himself, sets you free, you are free indeed. It is a wonderful relief when you are freed from what enslaves you. It is a wonderful relief when God, who intervenes for us, forgives our sins if we ask him and the guilt and burden of carrying those sins around are removed. Ah, my friends, I know some of you are or have been enslaved by sin, 
and that's not nice. You feel trapped, crushed and unable to be who you want to be. Self-help books and personal trainers might do a little but never enough. What you need to do is to take your issues to the Lord. He loves you and wants to help. Don't be afraid to humble yourself and ask for help. He will listen. Just open your heart to him. You may not know how to pray, but even so talk to him and tell him about your problem and how you want to be rid of it. You may not even know who God is, but don't worry. He will hear you, and he knows who you are. Just say something like this, Lord, I'm sick of being enslaved to sin. Please help me. And then you may find doors that you never knew existed will open up for you. How can you know that what I'm saying is true? I myself and many others like me have put our situations before God, have asked for his help and for his forgiveness and have received what we asked for and more. I have peace. You too may have that divine peace that is beyond normal understanding. Just do it. You'll never be sorry for God's help in breaking those sin chains that bind you in their grip. Well, that's it for today, my friends. So until next time, I wish you peace. Peace within yourself and peace with God.